Shane. It's another week and another film by a very bad man. <laughs> Here we go. So this week's quote, don't vote for me. Don't vote at all. Oh my God, Tammy, what an icon. My favourite character in this film. I love Tammy Metzler. She's a great character. So we're watching Election this week. I think this is one of the best 90s teen films. I think it stands up. Did you enjoy it? It's better than the other 90s teen teacher film that we did in series one. Clueless? <laughs> no. You're coming for Clueless, mate? The we're going to have your blood. Faculty? Oh, yeah, you don't like the faculty as well, do well, you? I, by the end of the podcast, you didn't like the faculty either. I still have a... F- fondness for it what would be our ranking i feel like elections top three with cruel intentions i feel like cruel, cruel intentions was definitely one of my favorite team 90s film um and i don't, and i don't think we'll get to do cruel intentions there's no real teachers in it yeah there's no real teachers in no. it on the surface our teacher this week is a very nice man right so in his voiceover so he has a voice over the film he presents himself as, in fact, maybe an ideal teacher. Like he says that teaching is the only thing he really wants to do. We talked about this a lot. You know that teaching is kind of often presented as like a backup option, a kind of failure of ambition. But actually, he has been awarded Teacher of the Year several times. Is this a thing in American schools, by the way, being awarded Teacher of the Year? Because we see this a lot. Like in Whiplash as well, his dad got nominated as Teacher of the Year. Like, is this a thing? I'm glad you mentioned this. Because I wanted to talk about this. Okay. When I saw this scene in the film... What it made me think about is the TES Teacher Awards. Never and heard of this. There's TES Teacher Awards. There's TES Teacher Awards, and there are there are many other teaching body awards. Mm. You have to be nominated for them. By who? Um, by people around you. Colleagues. Colleagues. Right. Um, I think some pe- some of them you can you can self nominate. Oh my god, Tracy <laughs> Flick style. That um, is just going to attract the Tracy Flicks well, of the this world. Is it. And I recently saw someone who had been nominated a couple of years ago. She didn't win it, and she was nominated by someone in the school she was working at then. She's since moved on to another school, and I've just seen on Twitter that she's been nominated for a second time. Obviously, this time from her new school. So now I'm thinking, is she just telling people to nominate her? I wasn't even aware that existed. To value that, I guess you have to be aware of it. You have to be in the circle. So like, I didn't realise there were so many different types of awards and different organisations that did awards for teachers until I became more active on Twitter. Mm. And I guess the By more active, she means obsessed with Twitter. Obsessed. Her brain has been broken by Twitter. We love you, our Twitter followers. Ignore Sean. <laughs> Is this why you wanted us to work at the same school so I'd nominate you for Teacher of the Year? I mean, we don't have to work in the same school for you to nominate Oh, so you want me to do it now? <laughs> I mean, I've already filled in the form. I just need your authorization. <laughs> I was gonna, this is where we're going to come to the fact that I feel like, Loki, you reminded me of Tracy Flick throughout this film. <laughs> but we'll come to that, yeah? This is another bloody bad teacher situation where we're like, wait, are you? Are you? <laughs> yeah amy squirrel there's a differentiation made here between two kinds of teachers in the film that i do think there is some validity to we have uh matthew broderick's character jim McAllister, who much as he makes some very dubious decisions in this film has become a teacher for the right reason because he wants to you know educate children work with young minds enjoys the job and then we have his friend dave who we are told by tracy in her narration i think she's right that he's one of those people who teach because he never wanted to leave high school as in he has a slightly adolescent mindset and i feel like there is some validity 
to that in that I feel like stuff like these popularity contests show that some teachers have in fact never left school and never left the popularity contest mindset of school. Ultimately, I think there is a certain truth to the fact that a lot of teachers get into stay in schools because there is some kind of unfinished business, whether that is that they really enjoyed school, like Dave, mm-hmm. <laughs> or whether that's because they were alleged misfits who <laughs> were trying to spend the rest of their lives trying to fit in a place they never <laughs> did. <laughs> which is not the case for me. <laughs> I'm in fact the other genre of teacher, the failed writer. <laughs> which is also the, Dave. <laughs> those that can't teach. <laughs> those that can't write. This is twice the week now as well. We've seen someone, Dave, a frustrated writer, turn to teaching as his backup plan. It's another cliche that mm. apparently both of us can't even have it because we both write <laughs> and teach, which is just so depressing when you realise you can be reduced to a, a cliche and a stereotype known. <laughs> What did you think of Jim? I liked uh, his his starting narrative about how he is enthusiastic, he's passionate, he wants to sh- reshape and mould the future. He's he's everything that I described in our last podcast that you know a teacher's values should be. I feel like this election completely broke him and brought out a side of him that even he was surprised about. And it is the election that you know triggers a, a series of events that ends up leading him to to be the person that he is and resign from his post in the end. Is it the election or is it Tracy Flick? Well, Tracy Flick's the way she is because she wants to win the election, right? Mm-hmm. So essentially, yes, you can hold you can hold the election responsible for all of those unfortunate events. Well, he's he's a civics teacher, right? So he teaches history and civics. So presumably he's done these elections every year, right? He seems to be a dab hand at it. Yeah. And, and they yet- seem to be successful and they seem to be something that he's very proud of. Um, He's got a very rigid method. They're very similar to actual um, elections. I don't know if you remember the scene where they're voting and they've got their voter slips and they've got booths that they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's all very, very much like actual voting. And this is something I did want to discuss to you, discuss with you. We don't have enough of that. And I think that this is something that's quite common in American schools, but Mm. not something that we... We, we advocate in, in the UK. Yeah, um, you're right. I think it's because democracy and the kind of apparatus of democracy is so essentially part of American culture and Americans, America's national sense of self that it's really embedded in their school, right? Like I imagine most high schools do teach explicitly civics and you, we see him, don't we, doing that same lesson over and over again of like the separation of the judiciary and the executive and the legislative, whereas we don't educate British children about the, the political system in which they're going to participate mm-hmm. in the same way and at I th- all. I think we're so worried about teachers staying apolitical that we don't yes. we don't give them the opportunity to teach about it. I think it's partly that, and I also think it's, here's my conspiracy-minded nature <laughs> here, it's partly that the government isn't particularly invested in getting the average citizen to understand how the political system works, yeah, low-key. So therefore we end up with that divide yeah. of... You know, who are the people voting and who are the parties that get voted in? Yeah, well, if you ask most school kids, what's the House of Lords? Would they be able to tell you? <laughs> when do they learn that? I think um, I think maybe when we put this tweet out, um, when we put this um, episode out, I'll link it to a tweet where um, I said to the students, oh, we've got someone from the House of Lords coming in on Friday. And the kid was like, oh, my God, is a Lord coming in? Uh, oh, my God, 
isn't that Jesus? And then they went off on this tangent about, you know, who was the Lord that was coming in, who was Jesus and which religion <laughs> Jesus belonged. And it, I just sat there with my, literally my head in my palm. Yeah, and I think partly it's that stuff like civics, it, it, sometimes it's not the most necessarily interesting thing to learn, right? The apparatus of state. But what do we teach kids in history? We teach them about kings and queens and the monarchy day in, day out. So the impression that a lot of kids have, and I know this from teaching stuff like Macbeth, by the time they get to year 10, is that we're just a monarchy and they don't really understand that actually the queen has very little political power, at least on paper anyway, mm -hmm. it's essentially ceremonial. Although but, quite a few of them will watch The Crown now, so they understand a little bit better. Yeah, I, this is the thing, so they have to turn to pop culture for this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. it's, it does seem insane to me, you're right, that in American schools, although we're kind of talking based on what we see in films, they do gen generally seem to receive quite a lot of education about how their state came into being, how it works, what the Senate is, what Congress is, what the representative is. And most kids in, in this country don't, don't receive the education. They don't really know how members of parliament work. They don't really know what the political parties are. They have to turn to the news or to their parents or outside sources, which just seems like a real missed opportunity. But it also comes down to the fact that we do have quite a complex political system, don't we? We do. We, but so does America. America has a very complex one. I think it's more so because... Because America is such a young country, comparatively speaking, like our system is thousands of years old. So it's it's a very long history that's hard to kind of condense. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't attempt it, Absolutely. surely. But I also think to the same point, I think this film, actually, you're right. The election is very similar to the American elections as they actually were. But this film is a very cynical commentary on American political power, right? It actually made me think a lot of the 2016 election because I feel like Tracy Fix like the Hillary Clinton like the overqualified candidate who just can't quite connect with her voters and then Tammy, Tammy much as I liked it is kind of the Trump is kind of like the outsider figure who's like this is all a load of bullshit contemporary politics does nothing for you if you don't care about politics vote for me and that as we see is very popular in fact it's a very populist position it did make me think about the way in which I think the film is commenting on the fact that America has this vast machinery of democracy, but actually it's meaningless to most people, just like mm -hmm. the school election is meaningless to most of the people. So Tammy is popular because she says, if you don't give a shit about this and you never want to have an assembly about this stupid election again, then vote for me because all this seems to be is to prop up a few people's egos and add things to their CVs for their college mm. applications. And if you right? vote for me, I will get rid of it all. Yeah. No more boring. Yeah. And they all cheer. They love it. Yeah. So much as in one sense, we're saying, oh, we should educate people. The film seems to be saying that it's a waste of time. <laughs> Actually, it seems to be very, very cynical about, about the whole thing. And I think that's heightened by the fact that going back to our teacher, Jim, we see him consistently teaching morals and ethics, don't we? And yet the man has no integrity whatsoever so we see these contrasts all the time of him teaching children you know about or oh, what do we mean by it? how do we apply our ethics and then he's using their exam time to go and prep a motel to go and shag his mate's ex-wife so i think the film is actually very very cynical in general about yeah. the human condition and I jim i don't know i think i think it was it, they could have given him any subject to teach um and i think that they they wanted to present irony by making 100%. him the ethics teacher, right? Yeah. it's The film seems to have a lot of contempt for him as a figure. Like, it's yet another film that seems to basically suggest that all teachers are losers. <laughs> Low-key. Because even though he has all these accolades, so he was always in his narration saying, you know, I'm such a good person, I do this, I do this, I do that. And yet we see him watching porn, fantasising about his teenage people's head on his wife's bodies and having sex with her and getting stung in the eye by a wasp and looking like a monster for half the film like he's quite a pathetic individual mm. even despite his seemingly kind of sort of fuzzy warm respectable outward demeanor we see him like taking a run first thing in the morning using school showers to get ready for school mm. yeah and there's another sense i think there of 
I think we saw this in Whiplash where the teacher and the pupil kind of mirror each other, they're sort of doubles of each other. And I actually think the reason why Tracy gets under his skin is that they're very similar people. They're very type A people who are kind of overachievers. So, you know, we see him running first thing in the morning. He wants to be the best teacher in the school, et cetera, et cetera. And Tracy kind of annoys and irritates him because she has a similar personality and yet she's clearly going to achieve more than he ever does in his life. And I think that is actually what really gets under his skin about her. Let's talk about Tracy. I don't know if this was a part of the irony that the film wanted to capture. Every time they did a still of her face, they always captured it at the most unflattering moment. She's so punchable in this film, mate. She is so punchable. Much as you know that Jim is being awful and unfair towards her, you also yeah. really genuinely despise her. You're like, she deserves this. Yeah. We don't care. She actually deserves this. Because she's, she's a classic Hermione Granger type hand in the air for every question, overachieving kid involved in every extracurricular thing involved. How do you feel about kids like this? Because I know some people do find them as annoying as Jim does. I personally have a little bit of a soft spot for kids like this. I really do. I sort of like nerds and, you know, well-meaning. I mean, I, I don't know if we'd say she's well-meaning because she's so cutthroat and ambitious, but I, I have a soft spot for kids who want to achieve well. Okay, I can't so lie. for me, I have a soft spot for the kids who want to be like that. And I think we're very, very similar in our views and our thoughts. Um, and I welcome those kind of kids. And, you know, for all the things that I offer after school, extracurricular, these are the kids that take part in those things. So actually, I like those kids. The line that I would like to draw, though, is when their parents become overly involved. Mm -hmm. So you see Tracy trying to win things over because her mom is a paralegal at a very big law firm. That, for me, would make me uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. that, for me, would want to dislike a kid like Tracy. Because they're obviously trying to get one over you by saying, do as I say, otherwise it's not going to be good for you. And for me, when it, when it comes to those kind of pupils where they know that their parents are well known to the school, um, so they use it to their advantage... That that I draw that line. I I won't have a soft spot for you. In fact, I will probably have a very similar approach as Mr. McAllister did. Yeah, we see again this idea that tough love and very high expectations kind of create monsters sometimes. So we see, don't we, near the end of the film, when she fails, she doesn't get elected, or at least it seems she hasn't got elected. Her mother sees her crying and rather than comforting her it's just like well maybe if you've done the speech like i said mm. you know maybe if you've done this or that so you, you do get a little hint of the fact that she's the product of a very critical very ambitious parent who's not particularly warm and that maybe that is the way that she is the way that she is what does it say about and then that we've said all this and i just kept being reminded of you <laughs> Go on. I'll tell you why. Because I think what is admirable about Tracy is that she's a very determined figure. So what I... Watch him trying to claw himself out of this grave now. No, uh, you're nowhere near as obnoxious as she is. But what I like about her is that she's an underdog. So she's at this very wealthy school. She presents herself at least. She perceives herself as not being from a wealthy environment, a wealthy background. She kind of sees herself as a bit of an underdog. She's certainly kind of socially awkward. She doesn't have many friends. But... What she is is determined to succeed, right? And it's that determination, I think, that really reminded me of you. Um, did I claw myself out of that, out of that successfully? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But uh, what, what about the other side? What do you mean? Like, what, what about her obnoxious side? No, that didn't make me think of you. I'd, I, I, I could just imagine that you were maybe low-key a little bit like this in school, maybe. Dear listener, Sean looks very uncomfortable <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I certainly wasn't. I did nothing extracurricular. And I actually regret that now because I feel like had I got involved in extracurricular stuff, I might have, you know, found my tribe, found the people that I would have got on with a lot 
quicker than I did but because I was so introverted and afraid to put myself out there I never found those people whereas Tracy is not someone who's afraid she goes out and she seeks the things that she wants she's in the musical she's in the school paper she's I mean being a little bit obnoxious about it but she's in like everything right she's really following what she wants to do uh Jim sees this as kind of empty endeavor doesn't he he sees this as a bit of a pathetic waste of time similarly she kind of sees him as a bit of a pathetic failure because yet again He's a teacher and she feels that this exemplifies the fact that he has this thankless, repetitive job. She goes on um, a five-minute rant about how useless teaching is. Yeah. How, how can one person dedicate their life to repeating themselves over and over and over again? And I was just like, as she was doing that monologue, I was feeling really stressed and thinking, oh my God, shut up. I really disagree with her perception though and i think it is a flawed perception because you know you see so you see her saying this about him and you see this montage of him teaching you know how the political system works over and over again and she says well what a dull and repetitive thing to have to do and the film seems to be agreeing with that through its montage but actually that's one of the things that even though i've only been teaching for you know like two years already i can feel that teaching some of the same stuff again has really sharpened how i teach it and i've learned more about it and you get actually get depth when you do that so it suggests that oh it's so boring because you have this flat piece of material you don't know again and if you approach it in that way then yeah it will be boring but i think if you approach your materials as new every time actually it can that's mastery that's true mastery of something yeah. isn't and, it and i've got to be honest in the in the 13 14 years that i've been teaching whilst the content has been the same no class has ever been the same 100%. so their strengths their weaknesses their their responses has never been the same and some yep. some year groups and some classes can be an absolute joy and pleasure and when i when i teach that content I can come alive, whereas other classes, I'm, I'm sure many of you can relate to, it feels like a slog and, you know, it doesn't matter what, you could be doing fireworks, literally fireworks, you know, and they go, is that it? <laughs> and you're like, I've literally made an explosion. You wanted explosion. I've exploded stuff. And you've just said, is that it? So I, th I did think it was really unfair what she said. I think it's actually... At root, it's about her naivety. And I think teaching has that rep of being a bit of a dull, repetitive job because it's actually the first job a lot of kids see adults doing other than the jobs their parents do. But it's the only job, it's probably the first job they see an adult actually participating in and doing. And a lot of kids' experience at school is that it is boring. And so they assume the experience of teaching is also boring. However, having had a lot of different jobs, I know we both have, I actually think, I don't know if you agree with me, teaching is the least boring job I've ever had. I've had so many jobs that were genuinely so boring and repetitive day in, day out, where I lost the will to live. And teaching is really not like that at all. It really is, you're so right, different every day, every class. Like, it's actually quite the opposite, in fact. So you can sort of understand where his passion for it comes from because it is genuinely really motivating to have something new to do every day. But she didn't seem to really see that, I guess. But that's, again, because she's similar, I guess, to Andrew from Whiplash last week in that she's ambitious in the sense that she wants to prove everyone around her wrong by achieving status, right? That's what she wants. And teaching, as we've said many times, doesn't really have that status. So that's why she's just dismissive about it. However, she also falls in love with the teacher. So explain that. <laughs> well, people fall in love with anyone who will give them a bit of attention. Dave homed in on that. He well, she doesn't have a dad in the picture, does she? So it's the old she cliche. She dad in the picture. It's very cliche. And on top of that, he's he, he, his opening line to her is, you don't seem like you've got many friends. Let me be your friend. Mm. You know, it's a lonely place doing what you're doing. Did you know who directed this film? You're going to say Harvey Weinstein. No, no, but oh my God, you don't know how close you are. So the director of this film is Alexander Payne. I had not heard this until I thought, let me just do a bit of research on this man. Let's see like what his school experience was like. I'd like to have a bit of a look. He was accused by Rose McGowan of statutory rape when she was 15. Mm -hmm. 
And he said that, she said that he groomed her, showed her a porn film, a softcore porn film that he directed, had sex with her and then like left on the side of the street, basically. Watching this film, knowing that information made it so much more disturbing because both Jim and Dave are low-key perverts. <laughs> Well, um, Dave, Dave Fulon talks about... Dave grooms a child. Yeah. He grooms a child in the same way that uh, this man has been allegedly accused of doing as I well. I was very uncomfortable with the porno that Jim was watching, which was... Um, Set in a school, so grim. School. Yeah, it's so gross because it's a high school cheerleader. Supposedly, obviously it wouldn't be really. And a 35-year-old. If we go back to the scene where he's turned up to school late because he was having sex, he's then taken time out of his lesson where he's actually changed, he's reshaped his lesson, right? His lesson was to teach, but now he's like, pop quiz, everyone! Classic, <laughs> classic rolled 48 up. minutes, yeah. off you go, right? And it's just like, you know, what I didn't understand is how disciplined his kids were. He comes back and they're still all in their seats, all still quiet, all still doing the test. Never would that happen, ever. I mean, it's quite genius, the way that he does that, to be fair. He... But he, he, he not only <laughs> left the class, he left the school sites. Imagine if there was a fire alarm. I feel uncomfortable leaving school when I've got a free, knowing that if there's a fire alarm, the person who's responsible for taking form is, is me. <laughs> My previous school, the one that I speak so fondly of, um, <laughs> they had a fingerprint system and it was on the door and the head teacher's office was next to the door. And there was only one way of leaving the school. You I find that sinister. Yeah, it was. It was. And, you know, it was the toxic environment that I spoke so fondly of mm -hmm. in so many So contexts. you think actually, if you want to go during your lesson to book a motel, get your <laughs> champagne <laughs> ready, that's your business. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I think, I think if, um, if you're trusted to be doing the right thing in your free time and you're, you're someone who always gets everything done that's expected of you, mm. you get police less. In the schools that do a lot of policing, it's because they don't trust their staff. Yeah, and I guess it goes back to the fact that this is a man who does not have integrity. He really does not have integrity. Much as he presents himself as having integrity, yeah. he actually does not possess he's, integrity. He's, he's definitely a valued and esteemed member of staff up until that point where his integrity is brought to light. Because mm. um, even when he's, he's fudged up the election results um, and the kid is saying, but I counted them. And the head teacher saying, well, are you saying that we're wrong? Because... Mr. Mr. McAllister counted them and I've counted them to back him up. Even before the election, I definitely feel like there are hints of the fact that this is all a facade. So like when Dave admits to him that he's having that affair with Tracy, so he started sleeping with his pupil, um, he does give him good advice. He doesn't enable it, but he also doesn't tell the school, which at that point, sorry, you've got to shop your mate. You know, you've got to be a grass in that situation. You can't it's allow... It's safeguarding, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. But he, th that only comes to light because the mother finds some card that he's made her. So there's that sense that he, do, I guess he does have integrity in the sense he doesn't enable it, but he also doesn't really do anything about it. That's why then he then resents Tracy so much. He really, he really does blame Tracy for the affair, it seems. He doesn't blame his pathetic friend at all when his friend is very much the one at fault and that's why he's so determined to sabotage her at least that's what the film implies there's also an implication that he also fancies her do you think he fancies her i feel like that's definitely implied um yes he gets well it, it's what he sets he realizes that tracy was the reason for dave's demise right mm -hmm. and he realizes that if tracy when tracy wins this election 
he is going to have to spend a lot of time with her. And it's at that point he realises he's going to have to recruit another candidate in order to be able to to be able to not have to spend that time with Tracy. And it's it's because he doesn't want to spend that time with Tracy that he, he goes about not just recruiting Paul, but also fudging the election results. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is, I do, do agree with you, I think he has an attraction to Tracy and he can see that that's going to be something that's going to be his downfall. And so whilst you say that, you know, he has no integrity and he's got no morals, he, he foresees that and he almost tries to safeguard himself from falling into that trap. Yeah, I do. I, I think that's an interesting take. I don't think he has no morals. I think he has, the film actually made me think about what is integrity. That's, I think, the thing that I was thinking about when I was watching this. And he clearly does have morals. He's just, I guess, a, you're right, a particular hinge point in his life where he's not very happy in his marriage and his best friend's just had this terrible thing happen to him. Although, did you notice his friend did not get um, put in prison or prosecuted at all? Well, this, uh, this will dictate the uh, the offset outcome for the school, to be honest. <laughs> so we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. Um, and it... Uh, so it feels like actually he has his morals are becoming compromised and so i think i saw i can't remember who said this definition of integrity to me which is that it's what you do when people aren't watching you which really stuck with me i don't know why but he's very much someone who when people are watching him is a wonderful human being and he's like an upstanding member of society but when he's not being watched he's very much a different a different person yeah can we talk about uh, tracy's meltdown Yes, um, so poor Tracy. All she wants is to win this election. She tries so hard. Then to try and sabotage her. Why does so many teachers sabotages in the films we watch at the moment? Jim implements Paul, as you said, who's this really nice athlete. It's quite a nice version of the stereotype, isn't it? That he's sort of like a Labrador of a person, just sort of very like jolly, genial, happy. He's obviously automatically popular. And this is very much a threat to Tracy and kind of puts her on the edge. So do you want to talk through what happens? Yeah, so because Paul has now gone into the election race, let's throw in another candidate that Tracy wasn't anticipating. The iconic. Uh, the icon that is. Yeah. So Tammy Metzler. Tam- Tammy is in love with Lisa. And Lisa seems like she's falling for Tammy. However, does not want to be labelled a lesbian. And having gone to a girls' school, I, I know that, you know, there, there was a lot of bullying around it to to upset girls however how things have changed now um i don't know i definitely saw a lot of homophobic bullying in the school that i was in Mm. can't lie i think it depends where the school is what the culture of the school is i think because we are so generally pro lgbt now generally as a society because it's much more mainstream i think there's a dangerous assumption we can make that stuff like that doesn't happen anymore Mm. when in fact it absolutely does it's just uh it's similar to racism it's still there it's just depends on on which circles you're running yeah and on the surface of society it's it's no longer acceptable i guess in mainstream society right but it's still very much bubbling beneath the Mm. surface is what i would say so um Tammy is um, in love with Lisa. Lisa then dumps Tammy and starts going out with Paul to spite Tammy. To spite Lisa, Tammy runs for election to upset Paul. So this vicious cycle means that uh, Tracy now has two competitors who she wasn't anticipating, envisioning, and what seemed like a surefire win to her because she was the only candidate, all of a sudden she has two other people to rally against. And, and that's why she is the Hillary Clinton of this film. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, you know, when uh, Tammy does her speech and she says the quote for the week, don't vote for me, don't vote at all, there's this uproar, there's cheering. Dr Hendricks, do you notice, is a doctor. I did, so the principal yeah. of this school is a doctor. He uh, calls an emergency meeting because he's not happy with Tammy being 
part of the campaign. In which he calls um, her a little bitch. He calls her a lot of names. He calls her a little bitch. Um, he gets her suspended, to which he says that suspension is a paid vacation. Yeah, I <laughs> love that you. part. I loved that <laughs> Why part. Why do we suspend kids? They, they don't want to be in school. Well, I guess we suspend them because their parents, the presumption is yeah. the parents going to bollock them yeah, and make that miserable. Kids, it's not a punishment at all. No, especially Same with sending them to the isolation room. It is sometimes not what, you know, it's going yeah. to teach them a lesson. And it's such an unfair decision, I feel, to suspend her for what? For speaking her mind and participating yeah. in a fair election. I don't yeah. understand. It's so, just because they've embarrassed her because what she says is popular. Absolutely. So Tracy is in a position where she's starting to feel like, okay, certain things might not be going her way, but other things are. Tammy's been suspended. But she's 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 feeling the pressure. She can feel that a lot of people are going to vote for Paul. She can feel that his, his popularity is going to override hers. She can feel that all of her efforts are going to be in vain. And she's put so much pressure on herself that she is, like we said earlier, one of those that does every single club, every single activity, every single forum. She's there. She is the key leader. She's even got, like, after school hours, weekend permission to be in the building and she's just reached a point where it's just too much for her. There's a poster that's coming down and she just can't walk past it. She can't walk past it. She has to push it back up. It's her poster. And before you know it, she's pulling down posters. She's she's tearing them apart. She's in a pile of paper in the middle of the hallway. And she's in bitches. She's in tears. She's She's got cuts all over her. And it reminded me of the mental health and well-being of our young people when there is so much stress on them. Mm. I know it was presented in a in a comical way, but there is a lot of seriousness and truth in what I saw in that, especially in the last two years where a lot of the outcomes for our young people in GCSEs and A-levels have been almost out of their hands because it's been in the hands of centre-assessed grades, teacher-assessed grades, um, and... You, you see them feeling the pressures and the stresses of, you know, all of the things that the pandemic has brought by not being in school, by having their future decided by something that they didn't set out for. Mm. And I had a moment of sympathy for Tracy in that moment. Um, and it, I felt sad. I really did feel sad because where was her support? Where were the people who should have been looking after her? And putting their, you know, proverbial arms around her to make sure that she didn't reach that point, rather than kind of casting her to one side as a bit of a know-it-all, a bit of a, you know, pain in the backside, a bit of a overachiever, as she called herself. Um, and I just, I did genuinely feel sad at that moment. Yeah, and she's really crying out for Jim to mentor and she, there's, there's that moment where she tries to catch him as he's going into the car to like get excited and tell him like about her achievements and she clearly just wants him to you know like listen to her give her a bit of praise and he absolutely refused to do it because he resents her because of what's happened and you're right all she really wants is to feel supported and to feel recognized and to feel loved like everyone does <laughs> that's all she wants and of course because she's such a bloody Taipei nightmare she pushes everyone away right and everyone just feels I guess a little bit threatened by her maybe but you're right I think you should that it is a sad moment is it because so much of that pressure you're talking about is really self-imposed it seems like her mother clearly has expectations for her but all of this pressure she's putting on herself to win this election it doesn't really seem like it's coming from anyone other than herself like waking up and making over 400 cupcakes on the day of election which I guess her mom does do with her actually so yeah. it suggests her mom's kind of in that yeah. in the mix there um so perhaps we're right this is this the the kind of ghost of the film is 
Tracy's mother in the background, like telling you, but fucking win that election. Don't let me down. <laughs> Absolutely. Can we, the last thing I want to talk about before we go into our offset inspection, can we just talk about, I've never seen this depicted in a film before in such accuracy. Why are fridges in schools so disgusting? Yeah, I had that down as well. Oh my God. Um, the the real answer is, I guess, we're too afraid to say anything. Yes. And the passive aggressive notes in the communal areas, in the staff room of please wash up your own cups or if the dishwasher is, is is full, put it on or... I've left a passive aggressive note and I hated myself for it because <laughs> in my classroom, in the first classroom I taught in, I had the sink, the only sink in that area of the school and everyone just used to dump crap in there like disgusting open food the sink was always blocked people were just throwing food down there cups were moldy in there and i taught in this room and kids were always like it stinks by that sink like what's wrong with it so i did have to leave a note just saying can you please wash and remove your belongings from this sink and i did not feel proud of myself because no one wants to be the passive aggressive note lever but in that situation it was warranted um but I have to say, having seen a number of fridges in a number of working environments, I've never seen fridges as bad as teacher fridges. They are always rank. Mm. And I think it's because we never have time to sit down and just chill or just sort the stuff out. I think the other thing is I've been ambitious with taking in lunch, mm -hmm. thinking that I'm going to have time to sit down and eat said lunch mm -hmm. and then completely forgetting that I had lunch until I've got back home and I'm sitting down for dinner I'm like, oh, I haven't eaten it all day. Oh, yes. shit, my salad is in the fridge. I, As you know, I am an eater. I've never had a job where I, I skip lunch as much as this job yeah. ever in my life. And you don't, and you're right, you don't even realise sometimes because you're so ad adrenalised, I guess, with like going from place to place. And then in, in, in the next place. morning, I'll be like, oh you know, I left that salad in the fridge. That should be all right to eat today. And then another day will go where I haven't had lunch. And and so like, You're right. before you know it, it's left because I've forgotten the third day that I've actually got a salad in the fridge because, I, you know, I've given up on taking lunch. You are school. so right. The true, I've understood as this now, the school fridge is a graveyard of all the missed lunches of every teacher. That is so sad when I think about it. And, and That's what, what it I represents. Think it, was, it was representative of the sheer fact that we never have time to sit down and have our lunch. But in the film, I feel like they present it actually, again, as like a hint of his lack of integrity. Like he presents himself as so tidy and so clean, but his car is a mess. His teacher desk is a mess. Do you think all of those stuff in the fridge was his? No, but he also does something I've never, ever seen before, which is he just starts throwing everyone's shit out willy-nilly. I've never seen such an act. And it's kind of implied, actually, that him doing that is part of his downfall, isn't it? Because when everyone turns on him, when it turns out he rigs the election, did you notice the cleaner is there and he gets a flashback of himself chucking the thing from the fridge on the floor and not picking it up? Mm. And the cleaner's sort of looking at him like, yes, this is my revenge, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but I've never, I've, never, I've never seen anyone tidy a teacher fridge in the way I've that he does it. I've, I've tidied teacher fridges. I've also cleaned the microwave and done the washing up in the sink. I rest my case as to why you are Tracy Flick. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ofsted inspection. Okay. So. Hmm. Can I just say mine? Go on. For the fifth week in a row, <laughs> we are at special measures. Again, I think this season is going to be, just have to be named special measures season. So this is Carver School, isn't it? Carver School, Carver School, Omaha. Um, I don't necessarily agree. I think... What oh, no, wait, hold on. They brushed under the carpet, statutory rape. Um, okay, well, now you've made me sound like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> they, they brushed that under the carpet. They They didn't... They, they, it was all hush-hush because Jim says it, doesn't he? Like, Dave 
got away with no one actually knowing and uh, Tracy's reputation was untarnished. And basically that whole thing happened and nobody batted an eyelid. That came out in the, in the, in the media, the head teacher for sure would be sacked. No, you're right, you're right. But I, I was thinking of it more that I guess... I think the school would probably successfully cover that up. I think that because they sacked Jim and they sacked Dave, they could say they were rotten apples. And based on what we see of Jim and his teaching, he seems to be a pretty good teacher, right? He enjoys his job. He has a good classroom environment. We see him once he gets sacked for rigging the election, going on to teach in the museum. So showing that he it is a true vocation for him. He does enjoy it. Yeah, but like he got away with leaving his whole class. True. I forgot that. 48 minutes. He left the school site. For yeah. 48 minutes there are some serious safeguarding issues in the schools that we are watching at the moment you're right and, special measures mate you know Fuck. The, the, these are all very special measures alarm bells we're, we're looking at it through the eyes of people who've seen the the misdemeanors right mm. so i cannot under any any circumstances give them anything above that fine do you know what <laughs> <laughs> Should I just end the episode there? Okay, next week we're going to have to watch a film that's not special measures. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to think carefully about a yeah. film that is not going to make us lose the world to teach. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Thank you, bye. Thank you for listening to us today. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Film Class Pod and also on Instagram on the same handle. Also, you can send us an email at filmclasspod at gmail.com. Send us over any comments, any suggestions. Thank you so much as well to Kevin Mitliard for our music, Night in Venice. You can find all of Kevin's work at incompetech.filmmusic.io and the license is at Creative Commons. See you next week. See ya.